yeah, I mean, if you're if it's not worth your time, if you're busy enough with your storefront, wholesale may not be your thing, but I'm still going to try it. Like, I still want to see how it's like, if I can grow from here, or what do I need to change to get into wholesale, you know, just kind of try new things to help my store grow. Welcome to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. In this episode, I'm talking to Candy Wong of Designs by Wildside. She's walking us through how she's grown her dog collar and gear brand in just the past couple of years, from starting out on Etsy to building her own e-commerce website and now experimenting with wholesale. Candy talks about the branding decision to transition away from Etsy and how she grows her own site traffic by using Instagram and email. If you're a small brand and considering going into wholesale, definitely stay tuned for Candy's advice and bear with us as we try to explain profit margins. <laughs> we discuss a lot of great tools today and I know you're going to want to check them all out. So luckily, I have put them all in one place for you. The Wear, Wag, Repeat resource guide is a list I created with all of the fabulous tools, apps, and websites that my guests have mentioned over the past 100 episodes. To get free access to this guide, just go to wearwagrepeat.com guide. There's over 150 tools and resources on the list. You'll find recommendations for the best camera equipment, landing page builders, and even the wholesale sites that Candy and I talk about here today. Head over to wearwagrepeat.com guide to get your free access today. Candy Wong is the founder of Designs by Wildside. She established her brand in 2017 after having a difficult time finding cute prints for her own dog gear. She decided to start designing and learned how to sew on her own. Inspired by her three golden retrievers, Jib, Millie, and Winter, Designs by Wildside creates modern and durable everyday adventure dog wear. Hi, Candy. Hi, Tori. Thanks so much for being on the show. I'm excited to learn all about your brand. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, my dog was on the back. Okay. Millie, come. Sorry. It's okay. We're having a very authentic dog mom start to the interview. She's, <laughs> I think she's trying to say hi. Everyone listening can relate. <laughs> it's okay. It's just the snow. It's the snow's melting outside my window, so she's getting a little worried for me. <laughs> the snow is going to impose a threat of some kind. Yep. <laughs> so tell us, um, your brand, design, Designs by Wildside, you make really cool and funky dog collars and different kind of adventure dog gear to help people get out and have fun with your dog, but also look really cute at the same time. And that is something I can totally get behind and relate to. So tell us a little bit about how you got started or why you even wanted to create a brand like this. Yeah, absolutely. So when I first got Jib, because he's the oldest, he's four now, um, I had a difficult time looking for gear for him that was kind of, that was cute, durable, you know, something that can last him a little while. 
it was a little hard going to, you know, like PetSmart and Chewy.com, you know, I, I couldn't, you know, feel the material that was going to be on him and he was going to grow out of it very quickly. And, you know, I spent a million dollars, you know, on dog gears, right? So I wanted to create something that was durable, you know, with modern prints, but also, you know, good for going on adventures too as well. So my first collection I started with, first line, I started with more like the fabric, everyday, everyday, like at home dogs type of deal. And then, you know, when we started doing more out with like swimming and hiking, you know, I wanted something that was durable because fabric collars, you know, they're not because they get dirty so easily, you know, just, you know, have normal wear and tear, um, which is normal. Mm -hmm. So when I started creating the new line, um, they're just, they're, they're not fabric, they're webbing and they were designed by me in house. And then they went to go to a print company and then I went into production with them. Um, so that is why they're a little bit different than fabric and they do last a little bit longer. And then as you know, my pack grew with Millie and winter Fabric colors was a little bit harder for them because they were always kind of playing with each other, rolling in poop, <laughs> or like just like they love mud and they love to swim. So fabric color was just not ideal for them anymore, even though they still wear it, you know, like around the holiday time or anything like that. Um, that was kind of why, you know, if you have a dirty dog, you know, a bigger dog is kind of always, they just always find like the dirty stuff. I don't know why. <laughs> They yes, I know, but it's such a struggle because, you know, just because we have big dogs doesn't mean that we don't want cute stuff. Right. We want to dress them up and have matching things and whatnot. But a lot of the really cute stuff out there, I think it's gotten a lot better with brands like yours popping up. But a lot of it used to be that a lot of the cute stuff was just for like tiny dogs. Right. And it was very delicate and it would kind of fall apart, I think, <laughs> in, a, in a week of my dogs using it for sure. Right. Yeah, even like looking for bigger collars, you know, for bigger dogs, you know, with a lab too, like your dogs, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the standard is usually one inch when you go to any store, right? But with bigger dogs with more fluff too, I think mm-hmm. like one and a half inch is really hard to find with cute designs because it's just not a common type size width for dogs. So that was still, you know, part of the reason why I kept designing, you know, my own designs, you know, for dog collars that were bigger and it seemed to work out really well. And my customers really love it. And they'll go from fabric to adventure. They'll like switch around in my shop, which is amazing because I also, you know, offer other, um, collections like our velvet collection was really popular, still really popular. And I just recently added suede, (laughs) Because wow. they're just, they're more durable than velvet, but they're, they're still very classy and nice looking. Yeah, they still have a luxurious look. Right. So you've only had your business for about two and a half years, but looking at your website and all of your social media, I think you look like such an established brand. Everything just looks so nice. So how, how exactly did you get started? Um, you know, obviously you must have figured out a lot of stuff very quickly. Did you start off with your own website or did you start selling in person or how did you get started with selling your brand? Um, I started off on Etsy, which is a marketplace. Um, I was on there 
I would say about two years before I started my own website, just because I want people to know my brand. I didn't want them to say like, oh, I got that dog collar off Etsy because that's how, you know, people will refer Etsy as because it's a marketplace. So they don't really know, you know, your name. They're not going to be like, oh, I got my collar off designs by Wildside. You know, really, they don't know that. They're like, oh, I got it off Etsy. So I wanted to kind of branch out um, and also not put all my eggs in one basket. You know, I know this kind of, a lot of sellers can relate to this, you know, because Etsy is their own platform. They kind of govern you. You know, I don't really like using that word. Um, And they can shut you down for absolutely no reason. And you would have nothing. You know, I just didn't want to be, you know, in that position if I have another option. So I started another so website. Yeah, it is. I didn't I didn't really know that about Etsy because, you know, I spend so much time educating people about social media. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. Like your Instagram account could get shut down for like no reason, really. And then you're stuck with nothing. So I, I didn't really realize that the same thing could happen on Etsy. Yeah, I mean... I I love Etsy. You know, I still do. I mean, I have to note hard feelings for them. You know, they have rules that we have to follow. But sometimes I think this hasn't happened to me yet. I'm going to knock on wood after this (laughs) podcast. I'm really scared. (laughs) Um, You just you just never know. But you don't want to invest everything that you have, you know, in just one basket. So if you're starting out new start your website because your website will take a while anyway, you know, to get completed because if, you know, if you're not going to hire someone, you're going to do it yourself. You have to learn a lot on how to do things on your own. But Etsy is a great place to get started because, you know, they bring their own traffic versus, you know, Mm -hmm. having your own website. You have to have your own traffic. You have to drive them from your social media and you just have to put in a lot more work. But in the long run, I think, it is, it's not a bad decision because you just never mm-hmm. know. It's kind of like you're still working for someone because that's how I felt. Right. You're still working for someone because you have to pay dues. You have to pay fees, you know, like renting something from them. You just have to pay whatever their fees are, which can be pretty high, but they do drive the traffic if you do what you're supposed to do correctly on your end. Right. So it can be a really good place to start. Of course. For sure. Yeah. Um, when, as you were making sales on Etsy, would you include any kind of um, postcards or anything in your packaging that would lead people back to your own website as you were making the transition? Yeah, I mean, I think you can let people know, but sometimes I think it still confuses them. Um, but on that little postcard that you say thank you to, you know, if you get those printed, you can always say, you know, join my email list. And then in that email list, you can have some sort of redirect to your website because I'm not 100% sure what you can or cannot do with redirecting traffic from an Etsy site. Um, I'm sure I'm not perfect with following all the rules because I don't, who sits there and read the whole guideline book? (laughs) No, you can't. You just have to do your best and kind of see what other people are doing and and figure out how to make it work. That's what we're all doing is just kind of figuring it out as we go. Right. You know, we're, we're learning every day, you know, so I, I don't, I haven't posted any new items on my Etsy because I've posted all my new products on my website and I try to drive traffic 
to my new website and that's the only link that I post everywhere right now. So the people that, oh, cool. yeah, so the people that finds me on Etsy are the people from Etsy. So any mm -hmm. new traffic that I drive, it's the one I drive on my own and they only know about my website unless they're like my older customers and they want like some of my older prints and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I've done the transition so far. I haven't finished and I don't think I'm going to close my Etsy shop because, you know, it is another source of income, just like having an Amazon store or going mm -hmm. wholesale. And so you mentioned that you're driving all of your traffic to your own website now. What are your top traffic drivers? Instagram. <laughs> I'm on Instagram a lot. Do you have any advice? Do you have any advice on that? Because that's one of my goals for this month is to spend, is to drive more traffic to my own website from Instagram, but it's hard. So yeah. what are some techniques that you use to do that? Oh, geez. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube videos <laughs> on, you know, how to drive your own traffic, how to do social media. Do I follow them? Probably not because <laughs> I don't really care about how my feed looks. You know, I don't care like if it's color coordinated or I post certain things, you know, on certain days. But I do know if you are consistent with what you post, you know, that resonates the best with you as a person, as a shop owner, you know, that you can relate to your customers and not always selling. It's helps a little. I don't know. Does it help a lot? But try not to make your Instagram always about you or what you sell because you want to connect with the community and you want to connect with, you know, people like you, a dog mom, you know, a regular dog mom that's broke because of your dogs. <laughs> Or, you know, you just want to connect with other shop owners. So with my Instagram, I try to feature once a week other shop owners, you know, what they make that relates to the dog community. Um, you know, I'll share like an account, an Instagram account, and it doesn't have to have a lot of followers. You know, it's just maybe it could be something that attracted me, you know, like how, you know, the content that they have or you know, how their mom is with their dogs, you know, it doesn't really, you don't have to be like a superstar, Instagram superstar, but I just want everyone to kind of connect with each other because I know once I post it, my followers may have the same interest and then the community grows from there. That's such a wonderful concept. I love that idea. And so the people that you're reposting and featuring, are they, are they customers or are they just accounts that you like? They're both. So I'll split it up. I actually do my whole schedule for the month. And I'll feature accounts that I have no idea who they are. And I hope they don't get upset at me for reposting <laughs> their content. But I would like to share their content because it attracted me. And I feel like others may be attracted to, you know, similar accounts of, on similar things that we like. And then, yes, of course, my customers, because without my customers, I would not be here right now. So thank you so much to my customers. A shout out that's been with me. From the very beginning of all of my like evolution of changes of candies, like ideas, 30 seconds of ideas. <laughs> well, I think you're doing such a great job. Um, I love the idea of just featuring other accounts that aren't that aren't necessarily directly going to make you money, but it kind of establishes that that community and those good vibes of all the dog people who love to support each other, which right. um, I just think is one of the greatest things about the whole dog mom entrepreneur community. Right. I mean, 
I just think it's a special type of people and you just know, and you connect with those people so much better than if you were to go to a party and the person says like, I don't like dog. It's like, I don't like you. <laughs> Girl, get out of that party. What are you even doing there? <laughs> it's like, you'll, you just know you would never get along with that person because they don't like dogs. Because my house is chaotic when you come here. Millie's barking, you know, up a storm. Jib is following and Winter is jumping. So it's like, if you don't like dogs, we will never be friends. I know. I know. It's hard. It's hard. The struggle is real because <laughs> I feel like my social circle online has grown so much. And I have so many wonderful friends through the dog mom internet world. Right. <laughs> but then in real life... <laughs> My friend circle is like shrinking <laughs> because they're people. My old friends just aren't as dog obsessed as I am, and so um, I become more and more reliant on my dog mom online friends. But that's okay, right? Because you can't be extra in front of them; they won't know. Like it's like, why is she talking to her dog like that? Like it's a human being. Like excuse me, it is a human being. So step away. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a hard time finding dog mom gear that fits in with the rest of your style? I love my dogs, but I don't want paw prints on everything I own. The Wear Rag Repeat Shop is full of artist-designed apparel, handmade accessories for you and your dog, and stylish gifts for the dog obsessed. Best-selling products like our Puppy Breath Candle and the Jungle Dog Dress have been featured on blogs like Proud Dog Mom and The Daily Dog Tag. Your dog is already spoiled, so treat yourself. Get 15% off your first order when you visit shop.wearwagrepeat.com and use promo code PODCAST. That's shop.wearwagrepeat.com, promo code PODCAST. Um, so, okay, I want to ask you a little bit about growing your business. So, you know, you've already made so many changes, like from starting on Etsy to sending traffic to your own website, and then kind of like the next logical step, I guess, is wholesale. So um, I think that you have been kind of experimenting with getting started in that. And, you know, what are the, what are the steps that you have to take to be a wholesaler? Well, this was an easy process. I've actually thought about doing wholesale for the past two years. <laughs> so oh, I just like six months. In. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, I really wanted to be in the stores. Like I've always asked myself, how could I be like these brands that are in the store? But do I really want to be like these brands to be in a store? Because they have they have a team. They may have a big team of people that works for them and they manufacture their stuff. Since I am still handmaking like everything that I sell, it is a little bit hard on the volume. But yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't sure if wholesale was going to be a system that would work for me because for everyone, it's different. You know, from the very beginning, I had to think about how I am going to price my items for the future if I were to go into wholesale. So that was kind of something I, I started in the very beginning. You know, I, this is where I'm priced. So if I go wholesale, you know, if I do my 50%, can I still make a living off of that, you know, right. producing so explain, more? Explain that to people a little bit, just in case they don't understand, because I think a lot of times people don't really understand how much 
markup you need to build into your products when you're making them if you want to do wholesale. So can you just explain to the people who are listening how to figure that out, your costs versus your wholesale price versus the retail price? Yeah. So I'm I'm not an expert at this at all, but just from you are though because you're doing it no I'm, I'm still learning I take classes and I you know I take courses you know I invest in my business that's how I learn but you know everyone has to learn from somewhere but with wholesale you know from the very beginning when I was started watching these YouTube videos you know they would tell me you know make sure that you charge enough for the future if you do plan in to go on wholesale that you can afford 50% off markdown, you know, say if you charge, you know, like $30, you know, can you afford $15 of what you make minus the time and the material? You know, it may not even be worth it afterwards because you have to figure out how much you want to be paid. How much is your overhead, you know, with, you know, the system that you're running with your website, your photo, your photography, your subscriptions, your machines, you know, accounting, social media, you have to like account all of that into your cost of what it costs to make that certain item. So I know a lot of times, like when we're first starting out, you know, you're so excited to have an idea, but a lot of people won't have the business side of starting a business because they just really enjoy designing things. And honestly, like designers and artists, (laughs) designers and artists, like they don't know business stuff. Like I, I'm terrible at numbers. My accountant have to tell me like, Candy, you need to get this tax file like now, like not September, like last year, but like now you got to get started. Like this is serious business. Like, like I don't, like I have an anxiety attack every time I have to sit down and do my taxes. I have to like literally take two weeks off. Like I can't, (laughs) I cannot focus on numbers and making stuff and designing at the same time. It's very hard to use. I think they're like different sides of your brain that it requires and it's just hard to do both. Right. And then money out of your pocket. So those are the things that you have to think about when you do wholesale. It may or may not be a system that works for you, but for some people, you know, they do really well with wholesale, but I'm not one of those people. But I'm still, yeah, you know, it's trying. Challenging. It is challenging. So, like the example that you were using, you know, if someone wants something to retail for thirty dollars, would you be comfortable selling it to that store for fifteen dollars? In which case, um, if for you to make enough of a profit off of it, the item should only cost you like seven dollars or less right. to make. So. I think people don't really realize that, that a $30 item should cost about $7 or less to make in order for you to make a profit on it if you're going to try and do that. And so that's hard to do. Right. And then if you're stuck with a wholesale order, not saying that you always have to do 50%, you can always Mm kind of work with, you know, whoever you're working with. Some things are higher and some are lower. Right. Because Mm -hmm. you you can have a suggested retail price, but they should, I think they should follow that and they usually do follow that unless mm-hmm. you don't have you know a f- um a storefront for your customers and they don't have to worry about that but they have to kind of match but you can always talk to the retailers and see you know what they're comfortable with as well but if it's not oh, worth really it advice. yeah i mean if you're if it's not worth your time if you're busy enough with your storefront wholesale may not be your thing but i'm still going to try it like i still want to see how it's like if I can grow from here 
or what do I need to change to get into wholesale? You know, just kind of try new things to help my store grow. Because right now I'm kind of at capacity of what I can do and how many hours I can work, you know, a day and how many handmade items I can get out the door, which is not a lot. You know, I'm not a team. I'm not a factory. I'm just one person with a life with three dogs and my fiance. (laughs) Well, so either you have to teach your fiance or you have to teach the dogs how to sew. (laughs) I'd rather teach my dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if someone's interested in growing their own brand and, and looking into this wholesale thing, there are some sites you were telling me about that you are using as um, sort of like a, a selling platform for wholesale. What are the names of those again? Um, the first one is called Fair, F-A-I-R-E. And then the other one is Tundra. So there's a little bit of difference with them. And I am not 100% sure with my information I'm about to give you, but you guys should just look on their sites to see. But on Fair, you have to go through an application process. And they have to approve you to make sure that you're a good fit for their platform. Um, So it's all handmade, apparently. And it seems like they're pretty picky with who they accept. But once you get accepted, you also have the rights to accept a retailer or not to see if they're a good match for you. Because I wouldn't want to be in a retailer that, you know, that doesn't have a really... I wouldn't say like a really nice looking store, but I wouldn't want to just sell to any retailer. I want to have a say so and make sure that we're a good fit with the price range and, you know, region, location and all that stuff. Yeah. Interesting. And also, I guess, speaking of region, you wouldn't want like two stores who are next door to each other, both selling your stuff. They could. (laughs) More, (laughs) More money for me, but more of a competition for them. But a lot of the stores, they sell the same brands anyway. Mm hmm. So I wouldn't have any say so in that unless I, you know, unless it's, they're selling like really funky stuff, like really ugly sandals or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But and then after you get approved, um, they assign you with like an account manager and then you have to like come up with this like spreadsheet thing for them and they'll, you know, create your storefront for you. And then you can kind of like put all your minimums and reordering numbers in there. So that process wasn't bad. It was just me that took over six months to get the Excel spreadsheet to them because it's numbers. I don't like numbers. Yeah. Well, I mean, any of that kind of like tedious stuff, it, I think it's hard to do. And it definitely takes me a long time to do that kind of right. stuff too. That took me a while. So that's just something that you have to consider. And then with Tundra, I've only dabbled a little bit into that, but um, apparently, apparently they don't take any commission which is something I have to keep reading. Fair does take commission. I think um, first, I think like the first transaction, they take a commission if someone finds you on fair versus you giving the retailer your direct link to order from fair. So they should look in, you know, people that are interested should read through that and look through that and see if the fees will work with you because on top of the 50%, you're going to have fees from fair too. Right. So you have to definitely consider all the numbers and take two weeks off and buy a lot of ice cream to comfort yourself so that you can go through all these numbers. Right. And Tundra, are, I think it's just, they don't take any fees. I have no idea how they make their money. I haven't set up my website yet, but you do it on your own, I think. Mm-hmm. 
but I have no idea. So we'll, we'll see how both of them works out because I just wanted to see, you know, if, you know, if both platforms are kind of free to me, so I don't have to pay a membership. So why not try both and see which one works best? Yeah. It's so interesting. I love that you're just so open and up for trying new things. And, um, I, I've seen, I've have seen that your brand has grown so much in just the two years that you've had it. And I think that that kind of like willingness to just experiment with stuff has a lot to do with it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely hard because you can't sell the same thing over and over and just expect to grow. I don't know. I just feel like you always have to add something new so your customers can have something new to look forward to. Because if, I don't know, I get bored easily and I just, I have like ADD and just, I'm just not the type of person (laughs) that likes the same thing over and over again. So do you have any exciting new plans for this year for your customers? Um, Yes, I'm still working on it, but there's been some issues with some of the manufacturers that I've been working with, you know, with the whole, you know, thing, virus thing that's going on. But I think, oh, yes. yeah, later on this year, I would like to expand my adventure line and get into harnesses for bigger dogs because I cannot find any cute hiking harnesses for my dogs at all. There's not a lot of cute big harnesses, that's for no, sure. No, and they're just all the same and one color, but I already have my designs. Everything is ready to go. Um so I just have to go through my testing phases with them. Um so I, I have no idea how long this is going to take, but every time I design something and have to go into production, you know, it takes more than 6 months, sometimes a year, a year and a half. So, well, it's just kind of like a waiting game to go through all these process, but I'm really excited because, you know, I can bring these new designs for bigger dogs, cute harnesses, durable harnesses. That's my number one thing about the stuff that I carry. It has to be durable. And they're not the type of harnesses where you can hook onto a big dog where the whole vest will pull to the other side. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You don't want that. So that's the... New adventure line, hopefully, you know, I can find a better price range for my customers to, you know, help, you know, everyone to be able to afford, you know, the stuff that I create. But right now, I think because with handmade, it's a little bit harder to get a better, you know, margin for my customers. Yeah, sure. I have sales. And if you're on my email list, I send out random coupons all the time. (laughs) They're, They're on a set schedule. So if you're on that list you'll be sure to get several coupons throughout that phase of being on my email list. Very interesting. Well, um, that's a perfect kind of segue to tell people where they can find you online. Where can they get on your email list? Um, You can find me on Instagram. I'm always on there and I try to answer all the questions that come into my DM as much as possible. You can email me or find me on designsbywildside.com. And yeah, just don't call me. I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody talks on the phone anymore. No, I can't stand talking on the phone. So just slide into her DMs, go on her website, sign up for her email list, and, um, and stay tuned because it sounds like you have really awesome things in the pipeline. Yep. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Tori. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at teamistic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. 
You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.